artistic director Gabriel Stelion Shanks. Welcome to the Drama League's Hashtag Collaboration, our digital video and podcast series where some of America's most influential artists sit down together to discuss the unique cooperation and teamwork that lies inside every great piece of theater, television, or film. Hashtag Collaboration reminds us that the magic we enjoy on our stages and screens always begins with great minds coming together around an idea. To watch more, you can visit dramaleague.org and click on Digital Series, or simply search for the Drama League wherever you find your podcasts. And now sit back and enjoy Hashtag Collaboration. Hello, uh, my name is Connor McPherson, and I am the writer and director of Girl from the North Country, currently on Broadway in hiatus. Um, and here's my colleague, Simon. Hello, I'm Simon Hale. I'm the music arranger and orchestrator and music supervisor of Girl from the North Country. As Connor said, currently in hiatus at the Balasco in New York. Great. I, I was thinking actually, Connor, it kind of might be quite fun to come from me asking you how you got involved in the project since you were kind of uh, the writer and well, the writer, which is about, uh, apart from Mr. Dylan, you've uh, come up with this new play from scratch, from nothing. Um, how did that happen for you? Well, um, it was a few years ago, maybe like at the end of 2014, maybe 2015, somewhere around there. Um, I got a um, a call, I think, from my agent or an email just saying um, that they'd been approached asking would I be interested in using Bob Dylan's music to do a theatre show. And I was a bit surprised by that. Uh, also immediately thought that it wasn't for me because I, I hadn't ever done a musical. And then also I thought, I didn't think that that was very Bob Dylan to do a, a, a musical theater show. Um, so maybe I thought it was against his, I was trying to protect him from himself. But uh, I, uh, the weird thing was, so initially I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, that's, I don't know about that. But, uh, but then suddenly I just had this idea that if you had a Eugene O'Neill kind of play set in the 1930s with Bob's music, uh, perhaps that might be kind of interesting. And, I mentioned that to my agent who said, well, why don't you just write down that idea? So I wrote down just on a couple of pages, just that really. And uh, just with a few, a few bare outline ideas of a show set in the 1930s in, in Minnesota, in Duluth, uh, where Bob Dylan was born during the, and set during the depression, uh, set in a boarding house or a guest house and that we would have a family there who run this place and guests that are coming through and staying there and it's like a Eugene O'Neill play but they sing very nice 1930s kind of renditions of Bob Dylan songs so when I sent that off and then I got uh, a response very quickly saying that Bob Dylan was into this idea and wanted me to proceed with it and so at that point then, um, I started to work on writing. The, they sent me all his albums and I was listening to all his music and I began to write the piece. And I had a first draft 
um, which, you know, at that point I had no idea how it would all work really. And I think that probably the next real strong phase of development would have happened where we met up and started doing some workshopping, um, which we did uh, when we met at the old Vic and yeah. we sat in, in the cafe downstairs. I remember first, didn't we? And then we went up to, to Matthew Warchus' to his office and we sat there together and we, we, we worked through a few ideas. And, we spent uh, a fair bit of time watching videos on YouTube, if I remember rightly, different music videos and different things that Bob had done, uh, different versions of his songs by other people, other styles of music, um, other artists. So that was quite interesting because we didn't know each other at all then. And we'd just kind of been introduced by the old Vic. And I, th I was thinking back to it, thinking it kind of just, it just happened. It was very, very natural. I mean, I didn't know you, you didn't know me, and yet we just sort of just got on with uh, working on, on your play and, and how it might be musically. It's, it's, it was a very serendipitous thing, I think, actually, because we both just kind of clicked without really thinking about it, which I guess is, is always a good thing when you, with a collaboration. Right. I think probably there was nothing else we could have done because... <laughs> with Bob's songs, you know, they're so natural, aren't they? You know, he's, he's not trying to please anyone except himself. And, you know, he's, he's always just writing wherever the muse takes him. And he has been through so many incarnations in a funny way of, yeah. of songwriter. He's been a folk singer and he's been a um, gospel singer and he's um, been a rock and roller and, you know, he's, been through all these different phases and all we could do was just fo follow that very free free feeling of of his songs and, and not get too hung up through the process i remember loads of times we'd have a conversation about something where uh something might have been suggested or we'd uh, just questioning a particular gesture i remember a particular the end of that one and how it ends with this big kind of guttural chord from the ensemble on the stage and, and Nick just looking out into the audience and they just kind of go ah like that as and I remember thinking gosh I was imagining somebody tapping on the shoulder going well you can't finish this and act like that it has to do x y and z and us talking about it we just go well that feels good that feels good and every way along the moment you know one song going into another slamming into dialogue songs that you know you coming up with in, I remember this so many times in rehearsal where you'd come in and say, I've been listening to this song, this new song that we didn't have. And I think maybe this middle of this song, Joker Man, I remember that one in particular. That'd be really good, you know, going, okay, great. So I didn't know the song. So you'd have it on your phone, play it through, put a microphone up to the speaker and play it through to everybody. We'd just start learning it. And it was so natural and so genuine that I think that's, you know, been pervasive through the whole process, actually. I've, I've really... Yeah, had great joy from that and looking back on it it's kind of wow that was just different and really really joyful because of it yeah i mean again i, I guess we just had no choice because <laughs> to try and make bob's songs fit you know i mean i suppose because his his lyrics are so uh, um you know suggestive they can mean different things to different people mm. so they're not those they're not going to help you narratively really he's he doesn't have a song about um you know well maybe he, he probably he has all kinds of songs but he he was never going to give us the song that you needed to move a story along because his, song, his songs are full of stories already 
and and lots of different characters sailing through his songs that are kind of they come and they're gone in a blink of an eye i mean you just got to go with it so it was just a question of well what feels good um and then I suppose the personal songs, because his love songs, which are very beautiful. I mean, I'm thinking of a song like Tight Connection, mm-hmm. um, where he is singing in the first person and he's singing about um, uh, longing for somebody. And it's just a song of longing. And you could almost give that to anybody in the, in the, in the cast, you know, and in some way, everybody's longing for something. So there was a lot of songs where you felt we could we could try this anywhere um so he he had a few that that felt very free like that but then ultimately what you had to do was really not care that was the thing you had to not care whether it added anything narratively because which of course is a traditional musical theater concept if you like in the songs of you know someone's character or the plot or whatever it might be that's true so this is and it's really interesting. I, I know we've been asked lots of times, is it, is it, or asked ourselves for that matter, I still do ask myself, is it a, is it a musical, is it a play with song? Is it a, but, and I don't know, I, again, I think you don't worry about that. It's just, it is what it is. And it's, it's a piece of, it's a play with, it's, it's a McPherson play with Bob Dylan songs. I know that sounds kind of clunky, but um, it's not really anything. It, it, I think that's what's so amazing is that it, it's always allowed, as you say, from you, and from Bob's songs, it allows allowed us just to do anything that felt right in the moment. Right. And and right. rather than think what we have to do, we have to do this here, we have to do that here. We'd always go, does this feel right? And actually, by doing that though, you're going, you are asking yourself a question. And like, as in, I'm sure he would do the same thing when he's writing a song. Is that the right word? Is that the right chord? He's not going to not care. Everyone cares about what they do and create. But how you get there is an interesting process. And keeping it natural, and as as I think we always did, has been really which well, essential, though, isn't it? It was. It was kind of impressionistic. But the good thing is, as well, that when that's free like that, is that um, the audience can just bring themselves to it and just get. It's like it's like they're just looking in a mirror and they can just um, see what they want to see, really. Um, and then something that. I'm reminded of because you say, well, it's like a Conor McPherson play with, I don't even think it is like, I think it's almost beyond, you know, it was beyond me as well, what it was and where it came from. But at every part of the process, it evolved. And one of the things that evolved and speaks to today, and I think speaks to our, our, our cast on in New York and speaks to these times somewhat is when we were casting the, the, the show, at the Old Vic, the, um, the casting director, uh, Jessica Ronane, said, Connor, you know, we have, a, we have a policy of diversity and we have a policy of, you know, being open to, to all people of all colors and creeds, you know, and is that, you know, something you want to, you know, explore with the cast and the casting and how being open? And I was like, absolutely, of course. Now, there was coming from Bob Dylan in the, in the in the initial story which is probably in the more when i thought initially maybe of more literal iterations of of how to get his songs into a show and of course the song i always loved which everybody really likes is hurricane and in that um uh song 
he's telling the story of Reuben Carter, who was uh, a black uh, champion boxer who was incarcerated uh, for a crime uh, which he protested he was innocent of. And a lot of people got behind that campaign and um, Bob Dylan was one of those people. So you have one of these songs, which is a, a kind of a, a, an agitative song um, and very powerful song. And I, I suppose it's the most literal thing in the show, but I, you know, we have our character of Joe Scott in the show who is a boxer and he does sing that song. And, um, he's quite a heroic character in the show. And of course, um, that character was going to be black. And in the original idea I had of the play, it was like a white family were, were in this, were in this um, guest house in, in Duluth. Mm -hmm. And um, there was different people staying there. And at the time, of course, there was not a huge amount of mixing between the races anywhere in America, particularly on a social level. Um, but it seemed that if they were um, a place that was so desperate in the, um, in the economic times that they were in, they wouldn't say no to anybody staying there. They would take, if you had a couple of dollars, they, you know, they will, they will take it. So that, and that was how I figured, well, maybe he would end up staying in, in their guest house and how they would become to know each other. Mm. And when um, Jess had said to me, well, you know, so we're looking at, you know, actively, you know, trying to, you know, have a diverse cast. So she was saying, like, we've got some there in the script, but what do you think? So I looked then, I thought, okay, well, you know, Mrs. Nielsen, I thought, should be someone we could consider that we shouldn't worry too much about, um, about casting. Um, you know, it could be anyone of any persuasion. Dr. Walker was another part that I thought, and I always hung on to the idea, I suppose, that the family at the heart of it, um, just in terms of, um, you know, credibility, okay, they're probably the white people who own this house, but they probably will all be played by white actors, right? But then uh, she said, do you want to see actors of, of you know, all different, um, you know, races for this, for this, for these, these roles? And I said, yeah. And then when we met Sheila, a team who came in to read for the part of Marianne. I just thought, wow, she is so great. And of course she's, she's born in Uganda. She certainly didn't look like anyone else that we were thinking of um, in terms of uh, this family at that time who were sort of like white and American. And then I thought to myself, well, we have to cast her. She's so great. She's so right. And um, we moved into that phase of just making that work and the good thing was there again i'm just using this as an example of how organic this thing could be was we just well we just changed the story as simply she was abandoned here and when she was a baby and someone left her in a room and this is where she's grown up and let's just let's just move on and i think there was a little there was a little shock at the beginning of just from people oh you're just going to change it and i was like yeah let's do it but really it was because we were trying to get that you know, that feeling into this show that I felt the more diverse we could go and the more when you hear all these different voices and different traditions and different yeah. people's, you know, musical traditions coming into the show, it really took off. And so we had like people who are just great, like R&B singers and we had people who are more like the folky side and we had people who could really sing gospel and we had people, and that, then I think opened up a whole way of hearing Bob songs in, in the show, which um, 
we really went after then, I think, um, in terms of our musical direction. Would you agree with that? I would. And I think it's interesting that some of the other characters as well, you talk about uh, singing styles and where people have come from. Some people can come from a, a church background, others from R&B or pop or whatever it might be. But some of the other um, participants in the various companies that have done the show have not have actually come from an acting background and who enjoyed singing, have done some singing. And I think in a funny kind of way, the blend of having not everyone sounding of a type is being very powerful. And that's made it much more real, uh, a re added a realism to it and an organic nature. And, you know, and frankly, it got some people to sing who hadn't done that much singing, that, depending on the particular actor in the particular city. Um, and that's been really good. I think it's been really, it has made it sound uh, more choir-like. I don't use the word choral deliberately there because I think, uh, in think, think if we're thinking, say, community choirs and where people are coming up and just singing to say something uh, rather than going and studying um, in, in a tradition. And that's definitely added realism to it and to the sound, just a sonic thing, which has been really, uh, really good, I think, actually. It has made it sound um, individual. Yeah, I think it's. I think it was a huge part of of what has made the show what it is. So, you know, from the music point of view, I think we were just very adaptive and very organic. From the casting, we were just exactly the same, and um, we just the great freedom that we had then was, of course, that um, Bob Dylan was happy for us to use anything we wanted, and we could chop and change and move songs. And then, of course, one of the one of the 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 lovely things that we discovered was that. Um, a big problem sometimes in shows, musicals or shows with, with songs in them is uh, why do people sing and where do they sing and how do you, why would you start singing a song here? And yeah. when we would find a place where we could do it, usually in a sense they were transitional scene changes was kind of a very easy place to do it. But um, the great thing was too, that once people were singing, we could uh, say, well, we're singing, so we can just do another song and, uh, keep keep singing and so I think we kind of got we tried it once or twice but then by the time we're sort of deep into the second act we're, we're very bold I mean we're doing like three songs in a row just one after another just segueing into it to each other it always becomes a kind of opera in in a, in a, in a way and then staging that was a lot of fun because um you're like well what's happening I mean what's the storytelling here? You know, what is going on? And that was just really free and, and really uh, inspiring. And I think just having all these different kinds of people. So you've got like all these characters who are of different ages, mm. uh, you know, of, um, you know, everybody looking so different, tall people, small people, old people, young people, black people, white people, everybody's different. And how, how are we doing this whole thing together? And the funny thing is that I think the freedom that you get from Bob's music um, is that everything just all seems like that's exactly as it should be. That's the weird thing. It, you just don't quite, well, I don't anyway. And I think when you see how well the show has gone over, nobody questions any of it whatsoever. And I think that the grounding that we have in Bob's freedom as an artist yeah, well, I think, I think it's combining, I remember you describing his songs as being built like tanks once, which I thought was a very, very nice expression. There's that, and then there's also the fact that he's given us complete freedom to do anything we wanted to them with no um, artistic, um, um, you know, limitation, which has been very, very enabling. 
And I think also then just always responding to whoever is on a stage in our company at that particular time. And I can think of a couple of songs which have been quite different between different productions. Rather than saying, this is the way that it is, it's just like, well, this is what we've got and um, you're the person singing this song. So let's, let's change this, let's move. And I think a couple of times people have been quite surprised that that's, that's happened actually in a good way. And just gone, wow, you're really going to um, accommodate and change things because of, and it's not a question of being better or worse or left or right. It's just being as good as you think we can, as the gesture can be at that, that particular time. And to try and make things honest and genuine, which has always been, I think, from the ground up, what we've been doing. So that's been really, really fun, listening to different voices and thinking, oh, okay, great. Now you've got this particular person, because we've had some exceptional people throughout the various companies of this show who, who do exceptional things. And not everybody is the same. So then you say, okay, now we can do this. We can play to this strength. And undoubtedly, I'm... I'm sure that Mr. Dillon would say, well, yeah, of course you would do that. Why would anyone not do that? That makes perfect sense. We've never tried to shoehorn anything unnatural. And if certain people have skills, then you use them and you, you adapt those to, to the piece. That's, that seems like a very obvious stage, but I think it's been very, perhaps unusual. I think it's come from your ethic for the main part. And I've really just enjoyed being part of that thinking, how can we do this now? You don't say, here it is, here is our finished uh, piece of work, because yeah, it was finished in that iteration. But if then the show goes to another city and X, X Y um, person in the company has a particular uh, nuance, whatever it might be, we, we're gonna go with it. Almost without doubt, without doubt because when we can give an extra, a different slant to this character now or this song, whatever it might be. That's right. I mean, I think, I mean, as a director over the years, I'd always been, I always realized that when you're, when you're directing something, I will always try and fit it around the actor, um, not being too prescriptive in rehearsals until I can see what someone's, you know, what, what, just the way that that particular performer vibrates is, is really important. And then, and then you lean into that, you know? And so that was why I think songs, say perhaps like uh, like a Rolling Stone in the different um, productions that we've worked on together every time it's been very very different very much because so. because we have very different um, performers playing playing that role and so we went from a kind of you know I mean I'd say a sort of rock and roll version in the first production to a kind of more way more punky version in um, in in the one that we did where Katie Braben did it. And then when with Mayor Winningham, who's got that lovely, um, uh, more traditional American feel, we tried to lean a little more towards the, to, to, to that kind of place, which, which really works. So you've that, you've, it's almost like you're just trying to free the performer to be who they are rather than trying yeah. to wreck yeah, them absolutely. to be. And, not necessarily stylistically, but we've changed tight connection to my heart, for example, we've changed keys um, several times, not because people don't have the notes, but actually it sounds better in certain people's voices in, in a different way. So then we've adapted uh, doing that to suit, you know, Sheila had a phenomenal voice and, and our other performers have had fantastic voices as well, but they just, they have a different, different color to the timbre of their, their chords. So, you know, we've changed the key and it's, and it's worked better. And I think we're always open to doing that. It, I mean, from a technical point of view, I remember it being quite tricky with 
Duquesne Whistle, which is one of your little mini opera creations, uh, then going through into Love in Vain and, and then suddenly having running into problems with, well, if that key means then into that key, then we need to change that key here. So we had a few behind the scenes um, jiggery pokery to do, but that's, that's all part of the process though, isn't it? I think thinking, how can we maximize our, um, our, our impact and, and performance? Right, right. Yeah, I think in a way, too, I mean, I think that the, I, I always had a kind of certain impatience about everything, too, which was kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe sometimes helpful, sometimes unhelpful. But I remember being like, um, you know, I didn't quite understand why musicians would need music to read music. I was always like, you know, this is Bob Dylan. Like, this is, you know, I just like, just play this and just go. And people would be like, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. You know, we're changing keys here now. We've got to figure this out. And I was always like, let's go. Be out. You know? um, so that was, it was, you know, it was a lovely process then seeing how, you know, mixing the, the, the way musicians had worked in the theatre before with the way we were trying to work now. And sometimes it took a little while to find where that was. And once everybody got into it, it was great fun. The other thing that I think comes, uh, becomes kind of important and it's become more important, I think, as time has gone on, especially what's been happening in America. I'm not American, neither are you. We're working in a telling an American story, with, but with you know American actors and performers. And there was part of me when we came to do it in New York. Then I was like, well, it, you know, am I entitled to do this? And I was very much um, dependent on the cast and the performers and asking them, you know, is this correct? Is this does this feel American? You know, is this okay? And um, I think what's been lovely and what we've sort of ended up with is that I think what actually unites us all really are the spiritual concerns that actually really are in the, at the root of Bob Dylan's work too, you know, in the sense that I think ultimately the, the show thrives on um, its eagerness to embrace a kind of um, almost sense of being a, a religious service or of being a, um, uh, you know, a, a something that's that's trying to tell a story that's, um, uh, you know, spiritual and transcendent ultimately, you know. And so, and th it's the music that gets us there. I think, you know, we can create the framework of, of how we try and do that. But I think it's the music that gets us to that place. And there's something so unifying about that moment. And then when we, at, towards the end, when we're really, we're really reaching towards that place and, uh, a funny thing happened, didn't it, then in New York? Because every time that we did the this show, we've always done new things. And when we were doing it on Broadway, and um, there was, you know, a little voice came over your little producerial voice, you know, from our producers, which was, think about the ending. Is there another song that we could have, which is kind of uplifting, and you know, it's you know, it's a Broadway tradition to sort of, you know, you can you can. Um, have the curtain call can be kind of a musical thing. We want to send people out on a good a high. Mm -hmm. And of course, again and again, like uh, we were drawn to um, Bob Dylan's Christian phase. And uh, well, I, you know, I say Christian phase in his music, which, yes. you know, um, I, I don't know. Maybe his beliefs st still are that, I don't know. But um, the, song that or the album that we ended up having a lot of songs in our show from is the album that perhaps is almost held at arm's length by even his his biggest fans which is an album called saved 
which is about being born again. And um, I think what was great, that stuff is great for the theater because those songs are so spiritually uplifting. And so Bob is so open uh, on, on those songs. And when we came towards the, um, to, to use another song and we chose uh, Pressing On, um, which is just a really amazing song. And I think then the, um, that what we do at the end where we have them sing that song and the arrangement that you came up with for that, though then when we go to that acapella moment where they're all just singing together, I mean, to me, that is just, I'm like, this to me is pure theater. It's like where the theater meets the church and yeah. we have that kind of unifying transcendent moment together and in a way everything in the whole show is working towards that moment it's it seems in some way how did you feel about when we started talking about that well it was funny because actually I, I remember the moment we were in rehearsal in new york and you came over and something was going on and you didn't say anything you just slipped over a little piece of yellow paper <laughs> i still got it somewhere and it just said pressing on in, in inverted commas and saved and you just said, because we knew, we were talking about this concept of having an extra song, so I knew about that. So, you, you, and I just thought, okay. So then I went off to the apartment and listened to it. And just listened to the song and just thought about it. And I mean, Jeanette Biadell, who plays Mrs. Nielsen, is an extraordinary actress, but an extraordinary singer. She's got the most incredible voice. And I just remember thinking, but we're also having a brilliant company of singers as well. Thinking how nice to get something spiritual but also congregational uh, in the end about community and about um, uplifting so we worked on the song I, I did an arrangement um, I can't remember and I, I got it ready because I knew that at some point you you would um, just go oh let's just just do this and I like to sort of have time to think about something and just kind of it's, it's nice being on the hoof as well but it's also good to just think about hmm, I wonder what shape we should make that picture you know just to kind of get these things in your head so I, I wrote something down prepped it and then we we they sang it and of course they're, they're so fast at learning stuff and so incredible that almost instantly we heard you know not the finished version but we heard something that suddenly really said something and I, I know that you felt very impacted by that first performance when they did it because just like wow there, there it was and then we, then we tweaked things and changed things a little bit the one thing I wanted to do was to I was thinking about how we ended and we thought about ideas, do they go off into the wings, do they, uh, we didn't want to be, none of the songs go ta-da in this show. In fact, it's only really two or three moments where we actually have a, a concluding chord and then generally speaking, the next scene goes bang straight into it and moves straight through. But this, of course, it, it concludes and it is the end of the show. It's, it's obvious that that happens. So the fact that we end with the lyric uh, pressing on and on and on and on and on, is a lovely message for life and experience and human condition, all those things, because we're just part of history in the way that the musician is part of musical history and us as humans are part of human history. We get that sense of here we are doing our thing, which we feel is right. And then someone else tomorrow will do what they feel is right. So that was a really lovely image to be able to think, but it has, a, it has an uplifting beauty about it now, which perhaps the previous ending of Forever Young was less, uplifting very beautiful um i think as a, as a conclusion but this is somehow you're going out thinking not how can i make things better well perhaps you are thinking that but you're, you're going and thinking about the play and how uh, moving it's been but in a in a 
joyous kind of sense as well, I think, which I think is a really positive uh, point. And as you say, every, all the actors coming down and just singing a cappella, uh, just the most natural thing for human beings to do. No trickery, nothing at all. It's just, it is stunning. So it is, it's a nice, nice thing. So that was, that was lovely to kind of think, how can we do this? How can we solve this puzzle almost and make it feel genuine and part of the piece? So it's, it's, it's lovely to have reached on that. And as you say, there's always something new, isn't there? Every time we've done the show, there's a new song gone in somewhere. When the, you know, beginning of Act Two, we put one in, and then suddenly this one, it is. It, but that's great. It's it's always evolving. Yeah, and they're always great songs. I mean, the the. Yeah. That's the thing. We, we said before, you could probably do another two completely other shows with other songs yeah. and never repeat yourself. No, um, and, and, and to with, that end, you know, the catalog, catalog to suddenly, you know, send, send you, I always have this image of this guy knocking on your door, the person knocking on your door with, the, with 40 albums. So there you go, knock yourself out and thinking, you're right, you could go on forever and ever almost doing stuff because they're so incredible, so diverse, so imaginative, but also so amenable to being treated in different ways and to be reinvented with so many cover versions of his songs is not just because they're great songs it's because they work as well uh, for other people and they are adaptable so that still blows my mind to think that that catalogue of all those songs with complete and utter artistic free reign is just it's kind of unbelievable as a concept but it definitely happened <laughs> Well, he's a genuinely uh, natural talent and a genuinely musical natural talent, like his, his, his musicality, because I always think it's, um, well, it's, it's maybe a, a crazy thing to say, but I think that you, you hear one of his songs and you think, I could write a song like that. It's four chords. It shouldn't take me more than 10 minutes <laughs> to write one of these, you know, and it probably only took him 10 minutes, but they are classic. I mean, that's the thing. And there's no, it's not like, oh, he sat down compositionally and studied, you know, the history of music and how to, how to, you know, how, how to notate this whole thing out in a way. It's just flows through him. He's just born with it. Um, and that's, I guess, what I think we were always very lucky being able to do is just getting out of the way of that, actually, yeah. when we're, we just get out of the way because here comes the song and, yeah. They just it work. It's interesting you say about not um, studied though, not in, a, in an academic sense, but he's incredibly knowledgeable about music, listening to his radio shows and of course Woody Guthrie and then all his pals. And when he was a young kid, I wonder, what's that record? I've never heard that one before. He would be absolutely absorbing every single piece of music that he heard, as well as literature and art um, in all. I mean, he makes Iron Gates with a welder. I mean, this guy is just extraordinary, oh, yeah. an incredible artist as well. I mean, so just, he's yeah. so a brain that is as big as a planet just to kind of have all these things going in there and to take all that, absorb all those things. So yes, it's not a, a, a notated musical skill, but as you say, mm. you just go, oh, that song's really, really simple and straightforward mm. and, and really works. Yes, and yes, and yes, but could anyone do that? No. No, and then to take then his, not only his, um, his lyrical ability, and of course he's won the Nobel Prize, and that's, you know, utterly deserved, but then also his political consciousness, which was alive and awake when he was a kid. I mean, when he was there singing, you know, at the March in Washington in like 1963, he was a kid up there with a guitar, 
he knew where all this stuff was at he knew what needed to be done and the crazy thing is now like as we're so you know connected to to his music and working with us so much and but now politically i think i feel so connected to those causes because mm -hmm. we've been you know pulled through that journey of our show and working with all the different amazing people we've worked with in our cast who've all their different experiences as americans and then to go on the journey of his consciousness in our show which is right there and then more and more i mean i never consider myself like a political writer a political director and like that but now with everything that's happening um you know and our cast has 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 been with you know has been getting together we've you know been talking and they're struggling so hard with everything that's going on right now and it's so difficult and yet i i'm very proud of them all and proud of what we have there because i say to them well look the work that you do together as a group and using bob's music and it's in one as i said to them in one way you could look and say this has no business being on broadway this is like not a what you would think of as a broadway musical and yet in another way this is ex exactly where this show should be right now and you guys should be proud of where we've got it to because yeah. what you're doing together and the example of you guys just bringing your great talents to work together using Bob's energy is kind of a very hopeful thing right now, you know, and in a way, who, who, could, who could have predicted that that would be the feeling that you would end up with with this show? I mean, I had no idea, you know. No, and absolutely. And it's interesting, as you say, you know, you being Irish and me being from the UK, it's just, we, I've heard people, you know, talking to Americans about, about Dylan and, and his music. And somebody saying once, Bob Dylan is in our DNA. And I thought that, what a really interesting way of expressing something, because that's not something that I've experienced in my musical upbringing. But it's in music, as, a, as an American, growing up, especially people of his age and marginally younger than him. So kind of born, you know, between 1940 and 1960, particularly for that generation, he has spoken to them in a very visceral way. And they are very, um, he is in their DNA and he's just part of what they grew up with. And so watching people now, or when we, when we were in New York and the show was running, coming in to see the show, who wouldn't necessarily normally be musical theater, theater goers, it's been really fantastic. And looking at the demographic and how people are moved, uh, it's been really extraordinary, actually. And that's something, as an outsider, it's taken, I have to try and, I can't fully understand that because I'm not American. But to just watch that and to learn and educate myself a bit about those feelings, it's been really um, significant, actually. Yeah, really, I, I, I see this as such a huge, a huge journey in, in, in my life, you know, in, in recent years, it's one of the really big, you know, journeys I've been on. And, um, it's, I, I often do feel it. Uh, and I know we spoke about this before, but often we do feel it's, it's, it's kind of a privilege. Yeah. The people that it's brought us into contact with absolutely the people that we've got to work with and, um, and, you know, to, to, to have as our colleagues and it's, it's, it's such it's such a lovely uh, such a lovely journey. We've been so lucky, um, and 
it's been a we've had a lot of fun too we have absolutely had a lot of fun just being always yeah being instinctive and just kind of discovering stuff because thinking back to how i feel now about myself apart from anything else and how i felt before this show i feel very different in the way that i am and the way i behave and understand things and that's thanks to you and to the companies and to the show itself that's really and it's really good good to feel that actually that you've kind of really grown in yourself and to discover things and to learn things because we we have to keep doing that don't we for always and keep developing ourselves as human beings and it's very very pertinent at this time when we're seeing lots of you know unrest racial tension in america in the uk around the world and to think that what the show addresses and with bob's music is i hope going to be a positive message and a unifying message for people to think that things can things can get better you do wonder sometimes but things can get better and they have to and for us all to grow and discover uh, a little bit about ourselves as part of that process me talking as a as a white man from england you know there's lots i have to learn and discover and educate myself about and it all helps just as you do that and you grow as a human being and i think you know the play in a microcosm does that in in two hours uh, two and a half hours it's very very powerful well i always say it's like you know it's the lightning that struck bob dylan which can only come from some divine power then it's so so huge that it's spread out into the world you know and he did spread out his message into the world and it's continuing to reverberate and uh he's got a new album coming out next week you know and that's it's amazing you know that just he's working away it's yeah. it's, it's it's astounding you know and, and i i sometimes it's you know there's people in the in the cast that you talk to and who feel very connected to bob and they've grown up as you say with him as part of their dna and part of their you know just the the, the woodwork and structure of what their life is built on is mm. is he's part of it and um people get very emotional they feel a very emotional connection to him you know and uh i think sometimes he can come across with this kind of um quite curmudgeonly sort of you know i don't you know i don't want to i don't want to i don't want any attention and yet they actually see him as a I think America right now, it seems to me like a lot of places in the world, which seem to us because our show is set in the 1930s. I always felt when we were doing this, I always felt the, it feels now like it's the 1930s again. That's what mm -hmm. always kind of really echoed to me. It's like this swing yeah. towards kind of um, isolationism, a swing towards nationalism, a swing yes. towards kind of racial division and people stirring it up feels that must have been what it was like in the 1930s yeah. and then you know um and then just to just to pour bob's music in on top of that and you just present it for now and suddenly the whole thing is 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 vibrating and i don't know it's um as i say i never would have seen myself as ever part of any you know trying to put across any political message but as soon as you touch off someone like him you don't know where you're going to end up you know, and it's a, uh, and you're going, it's going to be a good place though, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a great bit in um, No Direction Home where he's this, uh, they've done a show somewhere, I can't remember where it was, and there's a green room or something, the, the, the loadout has started and there's chaos going on with people. Where's the bus going from? There's this, that and the other. And it's all kicking off. 
and but Bob's in the middle of the of the room, sitting there with a typewriter, typing something into this thing. Well, and he's kind of having a chat as well. It's not like he's kind of in his own world. I mean, he is, but he's also part of having a laugh with the bass player here, or it might be. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And but he's still writing these words down that are flowing through him and have to be spoken. Fascinating. You know, you talk about the, the shrug on stage, and I've seen lots of bits of him performing where he's turned away from the audience and just turned his back to them, just carried on playing because it's, it's not about him, um, seemingly. I mean, I don't know him, but I mean, it's just, it's just it, the things he wants to say are very natural and he just wants to say them. And it's just, as you said, the lightning strike has, has, is maybe it's all coming from that. It's just, I find that, I find that really fun. You know, he's not going, seeing him just kind of typing away. I've just got to say these words. I've just got to sing this song. That's just what I have to do. And as you say it, uh, what is he now? 70, 79. nearly 80 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still gigging all the time, a pretty brutal schedule and traveling around the world, writing songs, uh, making music, <laughs> making gates, painting pictures. I mean, wow, that's exceptional. Yeah. And he has a Broadway musical. <laughs> Indeed, you're not wrong. Yeah. Thanks, Connor. Um, I, I think we can both say from both of us, uh, as we've said through our conversation, it's an amazing thank you to all those performers on stage, musicians, actors, and backstage as well. Incredible companies of, of people. Currently now sitting in their various homes, wherever it may be, waiting for that point when the show is able to open again. I hope, I don't know when it's going to be, but I hope it's um, not too long because it's hard for them Part of they, what they do is get up and they tell stories on stage and to not be able to do that every day must be very difficult. Yeah, it's been very tough, but you know, I don't know, I, I, I feel, I, I do, I can't help but feel hopeful and yeah. um, optimistic about it. I think we'll, we'll get there, we'll all get there. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing everybody getting in the room and working together again and just being there, seeing an audience come in again and we'll, we'll get there. Absolutely. Look forward to that moment very much. Thanks so much, Simon, for this great you chat. Too, great to see you. Thank you. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Hey,